Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What are we going to have here for Maya? We're going to start with some fonio and mango and cucumber. Oh, you want more mango in it? And tomato? We're in the home of Pierre Tiam, nestled in El Cerrito, a quiet suburban city in the San Francisco Bay Area of California in the United States. Pierre lives here with his wife Lisa and their two-year-old daughter Naya. It's dinner time. First, there's the saltiness of the cod. Then the bitterness of the kale, the tangy freshness of the lime, the crunchiness of the cucumber, and the creamy sweetness of mango. More mangoes. These are the flavors of Senegalese cuisine that Pierre has grown up with. But there is one special ingredient that binds them all together. The star ingredient of this dish, fonio. Welcome to The Star Ingredient, a Euronews original series that will immerse you in a forgotten world of flavours. The perfect podcast to listen to before, during and after cooking. Did you know that Africa has more indigenous grains than any other continent? And yet local diets consist primarily of the three crops that rule the world. Wheat, rice and maize. Kind of got more body than quinoa. This is me, your host, Kumbo Salako, trying to break this monotony with a new bite, Fonio. No? We are yeah. It's like it's like quinoa's like lost cousin, which, you know, was suppressed, you know, in by like its evil twin. Growing up in cosmopolitan London and especially eating Nigerian food at home with my parents definitely opened up my stomach as well as my mind. Can you describe the taste? Oh, tricky. Let me eat some more, <laughs> and then I'll get back to you. I'm not a chef, but I know my way to the kitchen as well as around it, and I'm eager to learn and taste. Describe the taste. Mm. It's definitely got something added to it. I'm going to be your companion on this culinary journey where we're going to meet the African communities and local chefs who are on a mission to revive their traditional ingredients, all while cooking delicious new recipes. And to start us off, we're going to be learning all about Fonio straight from Chef Pierre Tiam's kitchen. Take note of the menu. Roasted cod with lime and herb sauce and a fresh and fruity Fonio salad. And for those with a sweet tooth, vegan chocolate pudding with fonio porridge and coconut milk. It's time to put your apron on and take out your pots and pans. Hi. Hello, how are you? Good, how are you? We're spending the day with Pierre Tiam, 
This Senegalese chef is so in love with fonio, a millet known as the African quinoa, that he's brought it all the way from his birthplace to the shelves of U.S. supermarkets. One request, do you mind taking off your shoes? I, I do I, not mind. I'll get you some, some. Hi, how are you? He's invited our reporter, Sally Tiam, no relation, to cook with him at his home in his kitchen. Lisa, this is Sally. Sally, Lisa. Nice to meet you. Sally, our journalist, also comes from Senegal. And as well as having a surname in common, they also share a passion for West African food, like tiboudian, one of the most popular fish dishes in Senegal, a close sibling of Nigeria's jollof rice or its Côte d'Ivoire cousin, fattened rice. It's the best. I mean, I hear people comparing it to, to paella. I'm like, OK, come on. I mean, it's like paella with flavour, you know. Like, it is that's so like, delicious. That's, that's, my, that, that's, that's my answer for Dakar. He thinks his Senegalese food heritage is what's made him a great chef. This is, this is what I grew up around, that kind of flavour, around that kind of food experience on a daily basis, you know, on a daily basis. Pierre Tiam was born in Dakar in 1965 to a big, multicultural family. His father was an executive at a peanut oil company, while his mother worked as a midwife. Her side of the family were Christian, while his father's side were Muslim. Theirs was a busy household of five siblings in total. Add to this all the uncles, aunts, family friends, and, of course, meals were the occasion that brought them all together. I was really at uh, eating the food the way it's supposed to be eaten, you know, fresh, local, you know. And, and, and in addition to that, you know, the, I also grew up in an environment of, like, uh, I mean, it was very friendly, very diverse. As a kid, he wasn't allowed in the kitchen. In Senegal, this is traditionally a women-only space so he had to make do with getting wafts of the amazing smells from outside. Still, he paid a lot of attention to what the women of his family were cooking, his aunts, his sister, and especially his mother. I think one of my favourite recipes of mum was her caldu. A fish dish from the Casamance region in the green south of Senegal. And uh, it's very, very uh, simple, but the simplest are the best usually. Rich in biodiversity... Casamance is home to some of Pierre's most precious gastronomic memories, like the first time he ate fonia. You know, when my mom would cook caldu uh, in, in Dakar, that was over rice, you know, in Casamance, that's when we had fonio, access to fonio, and that would be the time where I would have it. That would be my grandparents' house. Pierre's grandparents were from Casamance, and he used to visit them during his summer holidays. When he arrived, they welcomed him with fonio. This thing called teranga in Senegal, where you come to someone's home, they offer something to use, either a drink or food. That's like just the way we share. From the local language Wolof, teranga translates as a mix of hospitality, solidarity and respect, the three attitudes with which guests should always be received in Senegal. Pierre particularly loved this ritual of the teranga tradition, where you would have one big bowl full of food in the centre for everybody to share. Typically, it's full of fonio, with vegetables and meat in the middle. <laughs> T 
Taranga is fundamentally about a spirit of generosity. I've just been fascinated by it. I couldn't believe, you know, this grain in Kedugu, when you arrive there, that's the grain that they offer to you, you know. Fonio holds an importance that is almost religious in the south of Senegal. Farmers bless the grain before planting it. Some ethnic groups believe the whole universe was born from a fonio seed. And then going back to Dakar, there's nowhere, nowhere to find that grain. In Senegal's capital, they prefer to eat rice. Still, the big bustling city was a delicious melting pot when Pierre was growing up. I had uh, street food from Benin, from Togo, you know, black eyed pea fritters and, and puff puff those beignets that uh, some of them you see now in New Orleans or in Brazil. And that's what Pierre enjoyed and still enjoys the most, a cuisine without borders. I was in heaven until I, I, I decided to leave Dakar. Pierre went on to study chemistry and physics when he finished school until a violent anti-government protest in 1988 led to the closure of all universities in the capital. Students had been heavily involved in these mass demonstrations and the government decided to crack down. It was a, a memorable time, but that meant also that we had to figure out what to do with our education. I had a student visa and I left this idyllic life of Dakar to the US and uh, had no idea what I was getting into. Pierre arrived in New York in 1989 where he planned to spend a couple of weeks crashing with a friend before taking a bus to Ohio. He had been accepted into a university to continue his studies there. But three days after I arrived in New York, I got robbed and I lost everything that I was planning to take with me to Ohio, like including even the bus fare to Ohio. So here I am with a return ticket to Dakar or figuring it out in New York. Pierre decided to earn some cash before returning to Dakar. A friend who also lived in that same that was a Senegalese community happened to be working in a restaurant. And that restaurant was looking for a busboy. Cleaning tables, washing dishes, filling glasses, essentially. I was like, a, you know, I'm, a, I'm an intellectual. I'm like a physics and chemistry student. What am I doing here, doing this manual thing? You know, this whole thing was like really bothering me. And, obviously, it meant spending lots of time in the kitchen. In the beginning, what he saw there amazed him. You know, actually, there's only men in this kitchen in the U.S. In Senegal, the kitchen were only women, so it was really the first uh, cultural, second cultural shock after getting robbed, I guess. His world opened up, and he used the opportunity to learn everything he possibly could about the job, eventually working his way up to filling in the cook position whenever there was a last-minute no-show. The opportunity to progress came up when... The prep cook didn't show up, and then the, the chef was like, OK, we need a prep here. This is what you do. This is a cutting board. This is a knife. This is how you cut these onions. This is how you peel this. After all, chemistry and cooking weren't worlds apart. You know, see that the emulsification here is actually the word that's even being used in cooking. It's like, well, I knew that word from lab. There was a place for him there, in the kitchen, that he once thought only women ruled. And so he fell in love with cooking. 
but he worried about telling his family that he wanted to change the course of his life so dramatically and become a professional chef. I was very nervous about that. Going to my mom to tell her that I was cooking and this was the thing. I wasn't going to go any longer with physics and chemistry. Cooking was my thing. But when he finally worked up the courage to call his mother and tell her, she did understand. The way she embraced it and the way she encouraged me and the way she like generously shared her recipes and secrets that to me was somehow in my head thing that could only be transmitted from mother to daughter. Then Pierre started adding to his resume. He worked in an Italian restaurant, a French bistro, but very soon he realised his heart was still back in Senegal and what he wanted most of all was to cook food from his childhood the meals his mother used to make for him. He wanted his cuisine to have a deeper impact and he wanted to return to the ingredient he grew up with all those years ago, Fonio. They grow amazing products. They grow a, a grain called Fonio, which I've been fascinated with. This grain is not only great for the environment, because I said it, they live in south of the Sahara. This grain is drought resistant, it grows in poor soil, but it regenerates the soil. But in addition to all of that, this grain is also very nutritious. It's, it's like a nutrition powerhouse. It, it's rich in, in protein, it's rich in amino acids. There's so much going on for Fonio. Pierre decided he was going to bring this miracle grain of his Senegalese upbringing to the United States. But at the time, he had no idea how. And I was like, ah, oh, this, there's room for West African cuisine here. There's room for those flavors that I grew up eating. Fonio is the oldest cultivated grain in Africa. Halfway between quinoa and couscous, its taste is intense with nutty and earthy undertones. It blends with other ingredients, giving them body. To understand it better, we talked to Sheikh Gay, president of the Senegalese Association for the Promotion of Fonio. The producers use Fonio to compensate for the deficit of food during the lean season, which lasts from June to September in Senegal, the part of the year that comes before the first harvest. The granary reserves are finished and the farmers are waiting for the new crops to be grown. According to the World Food Bank, 5% of Senegalese people are at risk of food insecurity during this period of the year. But those who grow Fonio have a safety net. Fonio is really becoming a food security crop. In short, producers don't sell more than 20% of their production. The rest is for family consumption for the nine months of the year following the rainy season. It needs little water to survive. Where grains like sorgho don't grow, Fonio thrives. And it's also one of the world's fastest maturing cereals. Corn, for example, requires 100 days to mature, but Fonio, it's ready in harvest in just 60. And yet, European colonizers saddled this hardy little grain with the stigma of hungry rice and relegated its production to ethnic groups of southern Senegal. The majority of Senegalese Fonio is grown in the Kedugu region, around 700 kilometers south of Dakar. Here, the grain is a staple food. Fonio is our main food source. It's what we eat. It's what we consume, what we eat. 
and has in Casamance, it's considered sacred. Here, fonio is consumed during ceremonies, during baptisms, during religious acts. Here, it's also traditionally offered to guests, just like Pierre's grandparents did in Casamance. Their taranga, the very best they have to offer. More than 10 years after Pierre first landed in New York, he opened his first restaurant, which he called Yolele. It means let the good times roll in Wolof. It was the year 2000, and by that time, he'd spent a decade saving up and gaining experience in various kitchens. The decor, the atmosphere, the food, everything was designed to bring a piece of Senegal to a small corner of Brooklyn. Mine was like, really intentionally designed as an African bistro with the, you know, the, the look, the feel, the, the, you know, we had lots of plants, you know, it was really like, the, the, it, was, it was beautiful and unique, really. In Yolele, they cooked only West African food and the signature dishes all took inspiration from Dakar street food. Black-eyed peas, fritters, beignets, all the things he loved as a kid. It became a success story in the West African diaspora. But it became uh, a, a place uh, for, for the West African diaspora to come and it became a place for also you know, people from the community to, 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 to take people pride in it, you know, serving like fried plantains, you know, like it was just the, those, those flavors from the spanning you know, West Africa. I always wanted to be about West Africa rather than about Senegal itself. But recreating West African flavors far from home was no easy feat, and he still had a huge amount to learn. And his best teacher for this was his mother. Together, they spent hours speaking on the phone, sharing recipes. I was also traveling back and, and really just spending time all the way to the village where my parents are from and looking for those, those gems of recipes that could disappear and they oftentimes disappear if they're not, you know, if they're not um, recorded. Pierre hadn't eaten proper fonio for years and during those trips he was able to rediscover it. Every single bite was taking me back to, to, to that time in, in, in my childhood. To Taranga in Casamance, to his grandparents' house. He wanted to cook Fonio in the United States. He wanted Americans to recreate his recipes with Fonio. He wanted his restaurant to serve Fonio. But where could they find it? I always wondered why is Africa um, a net food importer? You know, when this is a continent that has the 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 largest arable land in the world i mean africa is the country continent has 60% of the world's arable land and then bang he had an epiphany so i was like oh, i'm going to make for you a world class crop so pierre tiam decided it was time for west african fonio producers to become exporters and uh, and that became my naive quest Pierre needed to make Fonio fun, sexy, attractive, to create a market for it. And that was the that's this was the the challenge. You know, I was like, I'm a chef in New York. I 
um, know that I can at least introduce it to the community of chefs. You know, that's like the, the, the beginning. And he went further. He created a partnership with Philippe Tevereau, an American entrepreneur with experience importing food. Looking for ways to to make it happen from a dream to this. And Philippe happened to have done that with Quinoa much earlier in his career, and we decided to join forces into making this happen. The result was the Yolele Food Company. Together, they embarked on a quest to turn Fonio into Africa's quinoa. If we don't figure out a way to bring these crops that are underutilized, that's their fate. They disappear. The first challenge on their way, to create a link between small producers more used to growing Fonio for domestic consumption and the most competitive market in the world. We're going to go to the market. Pierre and Celia are heading out to buy the ingredients we need for our Fonio menu. Um, yeah, well, so we need to get uh, Fonio. So we're going to go to Berkeley Bowl or Whole Foods, whichever is closest. But uh, And then we'll see what's beautiful and fresh out there. In the car, he tells us that bringing Fonio to the United States was a huge challenge because he had to convince big U.S. supermarket chains that the logistics were possible and that the grain was worth the hassle. So it started this way, bringing a team of executives from Chicago to to the most remote part of Senegal. Like from Dakar, you land and you drive for like six, seven hours through the Nyokolokoba. It's like really like rough. And these guys are like, you know, Chicago, white male who like never been to Africa. And, uh, and they're like sure wondering... Are we going to really come out of this alive? (laughs) Spoiler alert, they did come out alive. In fact, they even enjoyed their trip and fell in love with Fonio. The only problem was there wasn't enough of it, and certainly not enough of the quality you could sell in the US. So Pierre went searching for Fonio farmers in other Sahel countries, Mali, Guinea, Burkina Faso. The first containers of Fonio to arrive in the US came from northern Togo, but Pierre kept looking for more producers. Today, Yolale works with a network of farmers based in Mali, Guinea, Togo and southern Senegal in Kedogu. They have the first harvest is happening this year. Actually, the season is looking beautiful. It's happening right now. That's the journey behind the Fonio Sally and Pierre are buying today. And you see, they have it perfectly located, high level, on the grain shelves. And these are the different flavors of our Fonio pilaf. Thanks to Pierre's efforts, today it's possible to buy Fonio in the United States. In Europe, Fonio began to be imported in 2018. Although it's still mostly unknown among consumers, imports are steadily increasing, actually doubling in just four short years. In fact, I was able to taste it here in Lyon, France. Pierre believes all of this is paving the way for a resurgence of Fonio in Dakar and could be a way to reduce Senegal's dependence on foreign food imports, particularly wheat. A country like Senegal, we eat French baguette every single day, just like in Paris, you know. Senegalese consume more than a ton of wheat per person per year. That's a lot of baguettes. But we don't grow wheat. Instead... 
Senegal gets half its wheat from Russia and 6% from Ukraine. Or at least it did, until the outbreak of war strangled supplies from the region. And now we don't have wheat in Senegal and we don't have wheat in much of Africa. And, and what do we do? We haven't developed our own grains, our own products. We haven't supported that, that agriculture. And, and so now there's a hunger that's looming, like it's, it's famine that's coming from this crisis. The World Food Bank says that the number of people at risk of food insecurity in Senegal has doubled in the past year. If it's not a war in Ukraine, it's going to be a pandemic and all of that. So each of them is disrupting the food system because our food system presently, the way it is, is a food system that on, not only is limited to a very uh, a limited number of crops, you know, like for, for instance, when it comes to grain, it's either rice or corn or wheat. But in addition to that, those crops are coming from like concentrated regions of the world. Pierre thinks making Fonio popular again could be part of the solution for feeding the Senegalese with delicious and nutritious meals. And according to him, the hard part is already done. The demand is going to grow elsewhere around the world, not only in Africa, but around the world because of the fact that, you know, New York is like a, it's a, it's a it's kind of like lighthouse. But here's the thing. If everyone goes phonio crazy, will the country's landscape turn into long fields of phonio monoculture, wiping out biodiversity and driving small producers out of the race, just like what happened with Kanoa? It may raise prices to the point where people in Casamance or Kidogu can no longer afford to offer it in Taranga. And that is not Pierre Tiam's dream. Make sure the ultimate beneficiaries for phonio remain the farmers from the Sahel region of West Africa, this is their, you know, their heritage crop. Pierre is aware of the Kanoa trap and wants to avoid it by categorically refusing to work with farmers from outside the Sahel region. He's also importing traditional foods other than Fonio to convince his producers to cultivate a range of crops and avoid biodiversity-wrecking monocultures. And we also want them to also bring back a tradition of another bean called bambara bean. You'll get to know more about this ingredient in our next episode. They used to grow that in, in rotation. After the phonio harvest, they would grow bambara bean. And they have stopped doing that because there was just not much of a market for it. And they would just, just pr produce it for their own consumption. A cup and a half to two cups of water. Just like rice. Bring it to a We're back from the store and finally ready to cook. Pierre says fonio is an ingredient that doesn't embarrass the chef because it's very easy to cook. Keep it covered. And as soon as it boils, I'll put the fonio in, lower the temp to very low setting, and within three minutes, the water will be evaporated and your fonio is ready. Cooks in five minutes. Less than five minutes. You can't beat that. If you can't find it in your local supermarket, Pierre says you can replace it with couscous. You know, it's like, it's couscous. It's couscous, but it's better than couscous because couscous is a pasta. Actually, couscous is made out of wheat. It's like wheat that's ground into flour and then you add water to make the granules and then you steam it. So this is a whole grain. Now, we who've also tried Fonio believe that they are not 100% interchangeable. 
The taste of fonio is very present in this dish. It has a distinct earthy flavor. For it to remain delicate, to be subtle, Pierre says it's essential that producers clean it thoroughly. And this is a big obstacle in fonio production. It has a skin that needs to be removed. That skin is inedible. It has to be removed. A painstaking job usually delegated to women who used to do it manually, peeling one by one the tiny grains. And they would do like to get one kilo of fonio, you had to pound it for two hours, pound it, remove the skin, pound it. It's a tiny, so not only you'd be so, you know, tired after that, but um, you know you can only produce enough for your family. Yolele has developed new machinery that can clean up to one ton per hour. So you have the kale that's been massaged and torn with olive oil. Then I'm going to add my mango, my cucumber and my tomato to the kale and the fonio that's been cooled down. This is the base of the salad. Don't forget to keep some of the fonio for our dessert. Now for the dressing. I use lime juice, some mustard, optional ginger if you want, and then you add salt and pepper, you dilute it, and then with oil, olive oil, you just make a vinaigrette. While Pierre is making the salad, the fish is cooking in the oven, seasoned with parsley, coriander, and cumin. In the salad, I'm going to add some of the scotch bonnet as well, so it's going to add a nice kick to it. Scotch bonnet is a chilli pepper from West Africa. So it's like all these different uh, layers that are you know, going to play in this, in this simple fonio salad. Still hungry or just have a sweet tooth? Here's Pierre's recipe for a fonio dessert. Mix coconut milk with vanilla extract. You can use a whole vanilla bean if you have access to it. But vanilla extract is fine, then you sweeten it. The sweetener of your choice, it could be honey, it could be gavi, it could be sugar, brown sugar, whatever. Dates, anything that sweetens. Then add some cocoa powder to the mixture. Then you add your cocoa powder to all that mixture. And uh, to the cocoa powder, I'm going to add the cooked fonio. So the cooked fonio is going to cook one more time, so it becomes a pudding. So it's like it becomes richer and more fluff. And I mean, less fluff than this, more like porridge-like. And, uh, and, and shredded dried coconut. Pierre suggests finishing it with shaved chocolate, fresh berries, honey or roasted mango. Whichever, you know, where you want to finish it. So that's as simple as that. Sounds so delicious. Pierre Tiam says that colonialism was so successful in Senegal that it almost wiped out its local gastronomy. To bring it back, he is applying a strategy deeply imbued in the Senegalese's DNA, offering to the world what he considers to be the very best from his homeland. Fonio for the chefs in New York, Fonio for the supermarkets in the US, Fonio to enhance the diets of the people in Senegal, Fonio for the audience of this podcast, all presented in delicious dishes. This is Taranga. Food has changed the world. And it's constantly changing the world. I think civilization begins with cooking. I always thought food should be the opportunity to 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 really um, decolonize our mindset. Really, the Star Ingredient podcast is created by wannabe foodies here at Euronews for those with curious taste buds around the world. In the next episode, we'll travel to Nigeria to cook with Bambara groundnut. 
Pierre Tiam hasn't listened to our episode yet, but he loves it already. Bambara beans, like I said, taste like peanuts, but it doesn't have the allergens of peanuts. This time we'll be meeting a Nigerian chef who's going to show us how to cook with it. I'm already salivating, so I better wrap it up. I'm your host, Takumbo Salako, and this series is written and produced by my colleagues Marta Rodriguez-Martinez, Naira Dalvashian, and Ashling Nikulan in Lyon, France, with original reporting by Sally Tiam in San Francisco, US. Our consulting editor is Catalina Mai in Santiago de Chile, and our solution journalism consultant is Michel Foix in Paris, France. Solutions Journalism is all about looking at the issues facing our world from the perspective of possible remedies. That's what we're trying to do here at The Star Ingredient. The theme music is by Andy Rabini. Our production coordinator is Louise Lehek and our editor-in-chief is Patrick Heary. Thanks to all of our colleagues at Euronews and Africa News who've helped us produce this show. And a special thanks too to Chef Pierre Tiam for letting us into his kitchen and sharing his story with us. And if you too want to keep experimenting with Fonio. He's a cookbook full of recipes. It's called the Fonio Cookbook, an ancient grain rediscovered. Also contributing to this story are Fatia Lurki, the World Food Organization's representative in Senegal, Czech Gay, president of the Senegalese Association for the Promotion of Fonio, and Alessandro Larato from the company Veganagri that works with producers from Kedogu to import Fonio to Europe. You can listen to this series on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you normally get your podcasts. If you like the podcast, please give us a five-star rating, comment, and share with your friends. Are you cooking with our recipes? Are you finding the ingredients? Or are you trying them with alternatives? Here in Lyon, France, we're already cooking, tasting, and experimenting with them. We want you to share with us what's happening in your kitchens. Use the hashtag, the star ingredient, to let us know. The podcast, The Star Ingredient, was funded by the European Journalism Centre through the Solutions Journalism Accelerator. This fund is supported by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Looking for something else to listen to? Check out another Euronews podcast called Cry Like a Boy that explores centuries-old gender stereotypes and how men in some African countries help fight them. For more information on The Star Ingredient, go to our website, euronews.com. Are you a French speaker? You can find a version of this podcast in French with the name La Surprise du Chef. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.